What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sober Plug Podcast, where we get you disconnected from addiction and plugged into recovery. I'm your host, Connor Duffy. If you need help with addiction, you can reach out to me on my personal line. That is 203-917-8862. Again, that is 203-917-8862. If you're looking for a recovery coach working with me one-on-one, or if you're looking for something like treatment uh, or other free options, you can reach out to me anytime. So something I want to talk about today is when is it time for rehab? When do you know that you need to go to a more intensive level of care and need something more hands-on? Now, nobody ever wants to go to rehab. It's extremely rare for people to come to this realization on their own, at least early on in our addiction. It's like typically the last thing that we try to Last thing that we try to do, I mean, let's be honest, no one wants to be away from home. No one wants to be outside of their comfort zone. No one wants to feel uh, powerless over an addiction to the point where we need to be removed from our environment to get clean. It's a very humbling experience, but people have it all wrong. Like people think that it's like it's a massive defeat if we have to go to treatment or we're more worried about what other people think or we're more worried about our job or we say to ourselves over and over again i could figure it out on my own and it's like yo if that were true then why haven't you fucking gotten sober yet you know what i mean it's like literally the same i get the same three responses like every single time it's oh i want to do it on my own like when i'm when someone reaches out to me for help they say i want to do it on my own or two um i can't lose my job that's the second that's the second one and three i can't let my family find out when typically the family already knows. Um, And there's always excuses why we can't get the help, but there's never excuses to actually get the help. You know what I mean? And the truth is is addiction is a serious, serious game. Um, It gets to the point where it's life and death. We cannot take it lightly. And so what I always try to put it in perspective, it's like, listen, if you could do it on your own, you probably would have at this point to really be less worried about their ego and more worried about saving their ass. You can't save your ass and your face at the same time. And people would much rather save their save their face than, than save their ass. It's like, yo, if your house is on fire, are you going to stand there and try to figure it out yourself? Or are you going to get a move on and call and ask for help and like try to put it out to the best of your ability? You know what I mean? And that's what recovery is. Recovery takes action. And I'm not saying that absolutely everybody needs treatment, but a lot of people out there do. It's just the truth. I mean, addiction is progressive and it's cunning, baffling and powerful. And the longer that we go on, typically when we realize by the time that we need help, it's usually too late to stop on our own. Like I said, not always, not everybody needs treatment, but a lot of people do. I know I did. I needed treatment. I needed to go to rehab four different times and that's okay. It's like removing myself from the situation. It's it's one of the best things that I could have ever done. You know what I mean? It really did. It saved my life. And I wasn't quote unquote ready to go at any time. I wasn't ever pumped to go to treatment. But while I was there and I was being honest with myself, I understood that it was exactly what I what I needed to do and where I needed to be. And the first time I went inpatient, I was 18 years old. It was my senior year in high school. I'll never, I'll never forget it. My first introduction to, to rehab was um, I went into my room 
and an older gentleman was was in there already. Me and him couldn't be more polar opposites. I was like 18 years old with an attitude and you know backwards uh, fitted caps and stuff like that. And and this was an older gentleman, um, you know, who was a straight up alcoholic, big guy, big burly man, and, and just like very rough around the edges and i was just like this punk kid that was like you know addicted to drugs and we just couldn't we couldn't be any more polar opposites and and i thought shit man this is gonna be rough like this is gonna be this is gonna be a rough stack the guy had like sleep apnea and had this like sleeping machine that i had to you know listen to every night and you know he ended up being really cool and we ended up relating quite a bit to one another and um, the truth is, is when you're in a place like that, I always tell people like, before you go to treatment, it's kind of like you're, you know, of course you're there to get your shit right. And you're there to get help and you're there to get better and get abstinent from the drugs and the alcohol and build momentum in your recovery and learn some coping mechanisms for, for when you go back home and, and figuring out what the next step is. But I always tell people like, don't be surprised if, and when you make really meaningful relationships because you're it's just one of those areas of life when it's a tough place to be and not meaning that every rehab needs to be a tough uh, um, a tough experience but it's just a tough time emotionally mentally and, and and physically and spiritually for everyone right I mean no one comes flying into sobriety on the wings of glory we don't go to fucking treatment because we're feeling all good and dandy so like when you're going through that type of those types of emotions and feelings like we build meaningful relationships with the other people that are in the same predicament. So uh, there's still people actually, I got, I got a message from someone on TikTok that I was in treatment with. I've actually had this happen numerous times. The people that see me on TikTok and they're like, bro, like, you know, I can't believe you're on TikTok, dude. And you know, we were seeing Christopher's together and this, that, and the third. And, and um, you never forget the people that you were in treatment with. You know what I mean? It's a really meaningful experience. So it, um, it just has a bad, you know, for a lot of people that aren't aware of what treatment is, it's like they change is scary. So we put fear into certain situations that could really end up saving your life. And a lot of times subconsciously we fear things that are really good for us. And when, when in reality we should be fearing the norm and continuing to do what we're doing on consistent basis because that is what's killing us so um anyway what i what i wanted to talk about is you know some of the signs so three different signs of you know when you know it's time for rehab and one is increased use this is a pretty obvious one right increased use uh which leads to physical withdrawal uh, not that this is the only requirement i want to be clear like the things that i'm going to go over here just because you're not experiencing any any one of these things or you're not experiencing all of them together doesn't mean you don't need rehab. I mean, a lot of people do need rehab and it's okay. But increased use and an increased tolerance, which leads to, to physical withdrawal, is definitely um, a big one. There are certain substances that just the physical withdrawal alone are absolutely lethal. From benzos and alcohol, if you are using and you are addicted to them physically, you need to go to a medical detox to come off safely. Um, it's just way too dangerous. You can die from alcohol withdrawals. You can die from benzo withdrawals. And it's no joke. You know what I mean? Your body gets so dependent on it that when you don't have any 
and you try to stop cold turkey, you're putting yourself at massive risk. Um, you know, I'm talking delirium, heart palpitations, seizures, um, among many, many, many other things. It's just, it really fucks with your body hardcore and the pain, the, the, the cold sweats, the heart palpitations, the constant anxiety, it's, um, it's no joke. So I always recommend when people tell me they're addicted to benzos or, or alcohol specifically, I immediately tell them rehab and, and detox because it's necessary. It's needed. It's not safe to try to come off of that alone. Um, and honestly, and then like bringing me into like other, other types of withdrawal, I mean, opioids, they're not going to kill you, but it will feel like it will. I mean, some of the opiate withdrawals are some of the worst ones out there. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, I can always go back. I can always go back to exactly where I was at when I was going through withdrawals. And I'll never forget the last time I went through withdrawals. I was up for four straight days. I remember I sweated it out on my mom's couch and I definitely did need rehab, no doubt. And I wasn't willing to do it. And I, figured, you know, I'm going to do it my way. And, and not necessarily that it was even my way because I didn't even want, I was living back with my mom and she was sober. And she told me that the only way I was going to be able to, um, stay living with her is if I stayed sober and committed going to meetings every single day. And that's what I was going to do. If I didn't want to go to treatment, then that's what I was going to need to do in order to stay in her house. So that's what I did. I went to meetings every single day but I didn't sleep a wink for four straight days. I mean, I thought I was fucking seeing things by the end of it. You know what I mean? The restless legs, the pain, the constant, uh, cold sweats. And then, and then you're hot. And then you, you know, you put a blanket on you, you're hot. And then you're like, you got to take the blanket off and then you're freezing cold. I mean, dude, it's, it's miserable. You know what I mean? The diarrhea, the throwing up, not able to eat, not able to sleep. It's pretty miserable. You know what I mean? And, and I always tell people like, if you're doing fentanyl and you've got a serious like habit with thirties or, or other type of opioids, whatever the case may be, like you got to be real honest with yourself. And I typically recommend rehab and detox for, for those individuals as well, just because I'm just being honest here. Like people are like, well, can I just taper off? I'm like, no, like, no, you can't, you can't, you can't just taper off. If you could just taper off, then you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be in this predicament. You know what I mean? If you could measure out your usage, then that wouldn't, you, you wouldn't be an addict. You know what I mean? And people just have this delusional thinking of like, oh, well, I can like measure my way back and measure my way down and, you know, get off safely and just get through the withdrawals and then I'm good. And it's like, nah, like, no, it's not true. It, it's so much more. Addiction is so much more than just physical. <clears throat> it's just one aspect. It's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. It's more of a spiritual problem than anything. And what I mean by that is addiction really rots away at our spirit. We are spiritually broken. We are not the same individual before we picked up drugs than when we are in the middle of an addiction. It just robs everything in our core of who we are, or it morally defeats us. And that's really where some of the biggest problem lies. Like just because you get through the physical withdrawals and you might not be going through detox anymore, <clears throat> going through the physical aspect of addiction, 
like you still have a lot of shit that you're carrying with you. You still have all the memories, all the traumas of addiction and all the things that came before that. That's the real problem here. You know, we're spiritual beings. There, there's things going on underneath the surface. There are reasons why we use. So people are fucking tripping. If you think that you're just going to get over the physical withdrawals and be good after that. I'm like, bro, like what I always tell people is like, dude, you need to get, you need to get more help than just five days of detox. Like there's a lot more going on here. When you were, when you first started experimenting with pills, you weren't physically addicted, right? And people always say, well, no, of course not. I mean, I was just starting. And I'm like, right. You kept using for a reason. There are there reasons why that you are struggling. There are reasons why that you continue to use. Eventually, it gets to the point where it becomes a physical problem. And that's really like the glue that cements everything together. That really keeps us stuck. But but the physical addiction wasn't what has us hooked in the in the first place. What gets us hooked in the first place is that we love the feeling and we chase that feeling over and over and over again. You know what I mean? It's like a dog. It's like a dog chasing a, a never ending trail of bones. And that's basically us. And it gets to the point where we literally need it physically, but we were in big trouble well before we became physically addicted. So the withdrawal aspect is just one, it's just one um, aspect of addiction. The second thing is un being unable to stop on your own, which of course goes hand in hand when you have physical withdrawals. You obviously can't stop on your own, but however, there are there are people that maybe don't have physical withdrawals. Like there are other substances that aren't as physically demanding. They don't carry as much of of a withdrawal to them, but the mental obsession is just as real as any physical obsession, you know? Um, the physical need of it, I should say, like being able to stop on your own and, and failed attempts at control, like saying, hey, I'm going to be able to stop or, uh, you know, I'll I won't start before 6 p.m. And, and that usually doesn't go over too well in the long run. And just like failed attempts at and failed ideas of trying to convince yourself that you're not what you are. And that is a major sign. You know what I mean? If you can't stop on your own and, and at least have like long-term success at that, I'm not talking about stopping for three days on your own and saying, hey, I'm not an addict because or I'm not an alcoholic because I didn't drink for three straight days or I didn't use Coke for three straight days. Like, bro, that's not a fucking victory. If you're trying to get sober, of course it is. But if you're using that as justification to like – prove to yourself that you're not a real addict. That is not <laughs> the, the, the shoe doesn't fit. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, the, the fact that we come up with all of these different experiments and ways to control our using is proof that we are an addict. It is proof that we are an alcoholic because people that don't have an, an issue with, uh, with drugs or alcohol, they don't have to prove to themselves that they don't have an issue. You get that? It's always the addict or the alcoholic that we're, we come up with these these great ideas, these great justifications for how it isn't problematic, even though we know it. We really know it is, but we try to like grasp at straws to to prove that 
it's not what it looks like. And it's like, nah, bro, it it's what it fucking looks like. You know what I'm saying? It's definitely it's definitely what it looks like. I hate to break it to you, but let's just, you know, let's just keep it a hundred here. Um but we are masters at manipulation and justification in our own mind. That's the only way that addiction can really thrive is if we continue to lie to others and continue to lie to ourselves over and over and over again. Because if you say something enough, eventually you'll believe it. You know what I mean? And and my addiction got to the point where I was willing to completely like surpass, like completely look past the mountain of stacked evidence of all the consequences, of all the things that proved I was an addict and I was able to focus on like the two things that like weren't even completely true that I thought weren't, you know, were proof that I wasn't an addict. You know what I mean? And it's like, come on, man, like you look foolish right now. We, we know what it is, but this is addiction. It's powerful shit. You know what I mean? It's, it's not as simple as like, hey, just stop that. You know, it's really mental warfare. That's what I look that's how I look at addiction. It's mental warfare on ourselves. And a lot of times we're in the middle of this war and sometimes we're not even really familiar or understand the severity of it because of the justification, the manipulation and all the things that come with it. So so number two is being unable, uh, unable to stop on your own. And number three is, you know, when life gets in the way of your drinking or using not your drinking or using gets in the way of life. It's like when life gets in the way of your drinking and using. So like, you know, your job, your relationships, your hobbies, right? Certain things that you used to enjoy at one point are really like are supposed to put first, you start to put second. And there's always an excuse to make for your addiction, for your drug use, for your for your drinking. There's never a bad time. You know what I mean? And I say that with some leeway because, of course, there are some people that like have functioning uh, alcoholism or addiction where there are certain stipulations where they're on, they'll only use. But like my point is like it's always there. It's always in the background. It's always in our thoughts. It's always – we always put it on. It's always the main agenda. It's always on our agenda for the day or, uh, you know, like at certain at certain times of the weekend or whatever the case may be. It, it's a must. It's like we're not really able to be flexible on that area of our life. We're able to be a little bit more flexible with the other things in our lives, our relationships, the hobbies that we used to enjoy, you know, without substances the um our jobs like whatever the case may be other things that are supposed to really be meaningful and fruitful in life that we're supposed to be working on that we're supposed to be putting focus and attention into maybe we still do but we also put equal or just as much if not more attention on our drug use and alcohol and that's a problem I mean, in what world would a poison take precedent over the people that we love or over the things that we love or over our truth, like over like our morals? Like it, it, we make poor decisions when we're caught up in this cycle of addiction. 
And it's kind of like, it's like the funny example I've used, I've used before, you know, it's in the big book and it's kind of like the jaywalker who continues to get hit by the bus. You know what I mean? And to a normal individual, like if you were a jaywalker and you continued, like if you were a normal person and you saw someone over and over and over again, jaywalk across the street, like crossing the road when they're not supposed to, and they continued to see consequences, but they continued to ignore the consequence. Let's say they get a ticket the first time and they get a ticket, a ticket next week. And then, you know, a few days later, they get lightly hit by a car. And then a month later, they get hit by a bus. And then a couple months later, they get smashed by another bus and they even break a leg. Like, I know this seems like a silly example, but it's like, you would think the person would eventually be like, huh, maybe I should stop fucking jaywalking here. Maybe I should learn my lesson and learn to cross the, the road in a safe way or avoid it completely altogether, you know? And to us, we are that except with drugs and alcohol. We continue to try to figure out ways that make it okay. We try to convince ourselves over and over again how it's not an issue, how we can control it, how it doesn't control us or our thoughts, even though it does, even though we know we're always thinking about it. If we're being honest with ourselves, it's always in the back of our mind, you know, or how we continue to manipulate and, and justify how this isn't an issue, how it's okay, what we're doing. It's not impacting our relationships. It's not that big of a deal if I drink before work or or if I wait until after work. It must mean I don't have a problem because I, I have a job. Like we come up with all of these crazy excuses, you know, oh, if I just stick to wine instead of drinking liquor or, or instead of the liquor, if I just stick to beer, like all of these fucking crazy hoops that we jump through. And if you were to ask a normal person, they'd be like, dude, why don't you just stop drinking? Like, or why don't you just have like one or two? And that idea like blows me away. You know what I mean? You know, some people can have like one or two drinks and I, like, and, and, and trust me, I mean, alcohol wasn't even like my main problem. I, I consider myself an alcoholic simply because like I drank alcoholically when I did and I, I will use any substance to get outside of myself. But if, but if I'm being real here, it's not like I was like a hardcore alcoholic. It's not like that. However, the way that I drink is alcoholically, the way that I drink is just like how I use my drugs. It's to get outside of myself. So anyway, but like when I see people have like one or two or like if I ever heard of anyone having like one pill to like relax like once a month or something, I'd be like, what? Like it doesn't make any sense to me. That like blows my mind. And I'm like pumped for people that could do that shit. You know what I mean? Like that's crazy. Like that's, you know, like I, that's how you know you're an alcoholic. Like when that concept seems crazy to you and not going completely overboard, blacking out, getting into fights, robbing gas stations, like going to jail, like that shit doesn't seem crazy to me because that's just how I know addiction gets for me. You know what I mean? Like, I think like everybody, isn't everybody like that? <laughs> it's like, no, nah, dude, like they're not. There's plenty of people that can have 
a, a glass and but like to an alcoholic or an, an addict like myself i'm like well what's the point then you know what i mean like why are you having the one what is the one doing for you like if one feels good wouldn't like 10 feel good and then like 20 and bro like normal people just don't think like that and god bless them <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's how I think. That's how I operate. And if you're listening to this, you probably operate like that too. And that's what makes us addicts and alcoholics. And you know, sometimes, man, we just got to be honest. Like bringing it back to the to the point of this specific episode here. Like, you know, if we're really struggling, why why continue to operate on a system that clearly isn't working? I look at it like this, you know, recently I've really, really switched up my, um, my diet big time. I've gotten really disciplined on my diet and like, I've been so consistent with going to the gym. I've been going to the gym for years consistently, like every day for the last probably, uh, I don't know, four or five, maybe four, at least four years. I've pretty much gone every day. I mean, even when COVID hit, I, I was exercising of some sort every day. However, I was not in the shape that I wanted to be in up until recently. And it wasn't because I wasn't committed. It wasn't because I wasn't consistent. It was because the system that I was trying to get the results wasn't working. And I wasn't focused on my diet the way I should have been. I wasn't counting my macros. And that alone right there prevented me from getting better, from getting the optimizing the results that I wanted in my own body. Mentally, not just physically, mentally, physically, emotionally, right? So it's not that I couldn't get in tremendous shape like how I wanted to be. It was that I was operating on a system that was clearly not serving me. And the definition of insanity is doing the same shit over and over again, expecting a different result. And so it wasn't until I had both my diet and my exercise on point which is to where I was got to the results that I was really looking for. And it's the same thing with getting sober. How many times are you going to half-ass your recovery? People think that they're going to put in hours and hours and hours a day into their addiction and get better by putting in a fucking hour a week talking to a therapist once a week on your recovery. It makes no sense. It blows my mind. That system is not going to work for you. You need to put into recovery what you put into your addiction. Doesn't it make sense that you really want to give yourself the best chance possible to have a good life? Why aren't why are we trying to cut corners here? You know, why aren't we really trying to either like one invest in ourselves, like invest in a coach that has been there before and really put the money into like investing in ourselves and learning from someone who's been there before, right? We invested plenty of fucking money into our destruction or, you know what I mean? Or you don't want to invest the time into treatment because you're worried about, you're worried about losing your job. What about your life? You're going to lose your life. And plus I want to say too, like there's always ways around things. There's always, there's laws that are protecting people from losing their job a lot of times. You know what I mean? Like there's things in place that can protect people. There's things in place that can protect your job. There's things in place that can, you know, protect 
the image of, of, uh, you know, people are worried about their image. And it's like, dude, there's ways around this stuff. Like we're not in a unique position. Many people need to get help and many people do get help, but we have this miraculous idea that we are like no one else. You don't get it. You know what I mean? And it's like, nah, bro, like you're literally the same as the 10 people I talked to in the last two days. You're the same exact thing as, as the last 10 people I talked to. So let's cut the shit here and let's get you some real help. Like let's get to the solution instead of half-assing it and struggling off again, on again, off again, on again for the next month, six months, year, six years. Like let's get to the real solution and so you can move past this. You know what I mean? And when I say move past this, I don't mean like you go to rehab and you're cured forever because that's certainly not what I'm talking about. Recovery is an everyday reprieve. We, we can't stay clean on yesterday's shower, but the whole point is to put ourselves in a position where we can continue to succeed. And when you're going through physical withdrawals, you can't control your using anymore. You cannot stop on your own. And you've tried this over and over and over again, and you're starting to suffer the consequences. Like, bro, let's take different action. Let's do something about it. I've been to treatment. Millions of millions and millions upon millions of people have been to treatment. And like, sometimes we just need to do what we got to do. It's as simple as that. You know, do you want to, do you want to save face or do you want to save your ass? I would save your ass. We'll worry about the face later. So that's what I got for today for you guys today, guys. If you do need help, I do work for a treatment center. If you need help, reach out to me. I fucking got you. Like, let's figure this out. Let's get you the right help. My number is 203-917-8862. Again, that is 203-917-8862. So it's been real. I love you guys. I will continue to be here. I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, just remember, you're always one decision away from having a completely different life. And I mean that. So let's make the decision. Later, guys.